This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, our theme for the year is um, going to appear now. Now, there it is: making or becoming obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. Where church is not just an event, but we are actively engaged on discipleship and disciple making. And one of our highest forms of worship is to be obedient to God. Is not just to sing songs to Him, but actually through the obedience that becomes a lifestyle where you and I say yes to what God's call is on our lives. Hello, Ben. It's Ben's birthday today. Are you 40 today? Yes, 40. Let's give a round of applause to Ben. And Izel, she's 30. Okay, so they are small group leaders in our family, family zone. Anyone else's birthday here today? Well, okay, I can't, you know, offend anyone. So this is, this is our theme. And um, let's pray and then we're going to start. Father, we thank you for being together. Thank you, Lord, for this new year. And this day that you have made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for your word. Lord, we take authority over every thought, every weapon that has been formed against us, and we cancel that in Jesus' name. Lord, we take it captive to the obedience of Christ and to your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. We've not come, Lord, to listen to the opinion of man, but we've come to sit around the table of the Lord to eat of your bread. And we say this morning that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage to seek, ask, and knock. Lord, increase the hunger in our hearts for you so that we'll be true worshipers, true disciples, making you famous and glorious. Lord, so that your light will shine in this town of ours, in this dark world, in this dark time, Lord, that your light will shine so brightly that everyone will say, what must we do to be saved? We want to thank you for that freedom. We want to bless you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. So if you missed last week, uh, the last two weeks we were uh, busy talking about the culture that we live in. And if we want to embrace a, a discipleship culture and we want to really connect with God, then it means that we need to know that we are really in a Western culture. And that Western culture makes us think in a certain way. And one of the two things that it brings across is um, consumerism and comfort. Consumerism and comfort. So even sometimes we come to church and we don't realize that we have a consumer mentality or we have a comfort mentality. And we say, Lord, show yourself to me. But most of the scripture that I read of people really following God was a call out of their comfort zone, call out of their culture. And uh, I told the story last week of my father. When we were small, we used to go once every six or eight weeks. We used to go to the spur, and there was these white endearments in this little bowl in the spur. And the reason when the Larue clan went to the spur, that's why they stopped having these nice sweets at the spur, because we went there once every six or eight weeks. Because we really loved it. We played around, all that stuff. And at the end... When the bill was going to be paid, that was time to say, run, run, get to the car. My mom, my, everyone that was there except my father because he was going to pay the bill. Because that was the moment that we would dread of the whole day 
is when he would take that whole bowl of endearments and throw it into his pocket. And we would say, Lord, let the rapture happen. You know? Because, hey, it's free. So take as much as you want to. And so uh, two weeks ago, we went to the cricket year, and we came to a store. And I thought, I've, I've shredded that culture. That, you know, because sometimes you say to yourself, you make these inner vows that you are never going to do that. You are never going to go for the freebies. Never. Okay, there's some conviction coming in this house because some people are like, sale, another name, freebie sale, same word. Okay, same thing. Okay, but so... So here we go to the cricket, and there's a free Mitchum stall. Mitchum is like underarm, roll underarm, and I, I, I like it. You know, this, I don't get any commission for any names that I name today, so relax, okay? But um, so I go to the stall, grab one Mitchum. The cricket is very boring. Every half an hour, I need to go to the toilet via the Mitchum stall. So I end up having eight Mitchums. It's all free. Whole bag, I feel satisfied, and I get home, and I realize, like, I've done exactly what my father did. It's not endearments, it's Mitchums. But praise the Lord, there are people like Jürgens here that got eight Mitchums and some other people. So, so I realize, it, I'm, I, you know, there were some greater sinners in the church than me. You know? But it, it's amazing when you have this culture of... That some stuff that is passed on, you don't actually even realize it. Sometimes little things, you know. You think, I'm, I'm never going to eat like that. I'm, I'm never going to do that, you know. But you know what? In, we, we are forced into a type of individualistic consumer culture. And then sometimes we think we are living biblical lives, but we're not. Would you agree with me? It's a, it's a bit tough, but we have to say it. We rush in, rush out, drive through. Everything is quick fix. We can't wait anymore. We can't have proper relationship anymore. We can't sit around a table as a family anymore. And we're going to need to slow down. <laughs> slow down to hear God's voice. Slow down to be, do proper relationship. And so today we, we're going on with the second part today. Next week we're going to talk about what does it mean to be rooted in Christ. And we're going to come back to this a lot. Because... You're going to need to hear it 30 times, and we're going to take different angles. And wait till John Yip comes back. He's going to make us work very hard, you know, because he does church a bit different. He's a guy from Malaysia that's been here in church for 12 years. He makes you sit down, and you just talk about everything. No comfort zone, okay? But I won't tell you what Sunday he's going to come, because then you're all going to stay away. But so, you know, there's a church actually in um, Indonesia, the pastor, they have... Going out services, but they never tell you what's Sunday. And then you sing three songs, and they say, okay, everyone, stop. We're going out into the streets. We're going to bless the people in our town. We're not going to just sit and receive. You're going to become the church. And so the idea is that each one of you, where God has planted you, in your workplace, in your study place, you be bear fruit there, and you become obedient because you are there during the week. You know, if you are his first team rugby player for Marty's and Ben Jason and Zerkia, that's where God has planted you. And you have to say, Lord, or uh, Smiro is the coach there. So, hallelujah, four people in the first team, Marty's team, here with us in church. So get together, agree, say, God, why have you planted us here? We've, we've got a purpose here. We're not just coaching people and chasing them around on the field. It's like, hey, there's a purpose for us. And listen to this in Colossians 
Um, this is where we start in Colossians 2. Our scripture comes from verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. And not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. There are ten sermons just in those four verses. Ephesians and Colossians are many times the same theme running through those books. But it's powerful. He says, you've received Christ. You know Jesus. You've, you've been born again. You've given your life to him. But, but now you have a different responsibility. You have to realize that you have to be rooted and built up in him. And you need to establish yourself in the faith. Rooted, built up, established, walk. What does those things mean to us? Because it's not just like, hey, I come to Sunday church. I need to learn how to live the word. I need to, to be established in Christ. I need to every day, tomorrow morning when you go to work and there's a taxi coming in front of you, you need to like, ah, Lord, I bless them. Lord, peace be upon them. So we test it every day through little things. And that's where we are walking in him, but we also need to be established in him. Now, yesterday, I had a funny, funny moment when I got home from the camp, and we were blown apart at the campsite. But so we have um, quite a high fence between us and our neighbor. Uh, they're, they're very, um, they're, they're hideaway. We don't actually, we've tried to reach out a lot to them. To the rest of us, we like, it's Shofarville, the in Inuit Park. You know, all the Shofar people live there in one street. So we're all over the place, and especially Yuan with all of his kids. They run all over the place, you know. And so, so the neighbor next door, what happened when I got into my backyard, I realized half of the tree collapsed, and it bent over into the swimming pool on my side. But it's quite a high fence. So this tree was like going. Then I stood there, and I thought like, you tree, I didn't know you're that thirsty, you know, that you're actually bending over to the... And then I realized, that's just a joke, okay? But so I realized like, whoa, half of the, the roots came out and the half of the tree was bent over, sipping some um, chlorine water. And so I just went to look and say like, sure, so half of it is leaning onto the fence. So I thought like, we need to make a plan. So I go around to the neighbor and I press the little knoppy, the alarm bell, and everything is closed in front. And then you just see... This one little thing going open and closed quickly, you know. Because now, as if I didn't see it, you know, <laughs> you know you'd stand in front of it and go, go open, close. And then you see somebody rushes to another room and check, check out again. Is there somebody coming to beg or whatever? And then eventually they realize, oh, it's their neighbor, you know. And um, so then the one guy come out. And I realized, but the neighbors aren't there. They're renting out the house for two weeks for a bunch of French people, you know. The only problem is the French people didn't understand a word of English, you know. So now I'm standing there. He's standing on the other side of the fence. And I say, tree, root, bent over. He says, no root here. No root does not live here. I say, no, no root, tree. No tree does not live here. You know, I say, no, back 
yard. Have you ever tried to explain to a Frenchman that the tree is bending? Up? It, it, was, it was chaos. So I stood there, eventually opened up, and then I went to check him. He says, oh, 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 can we walk in Yonkers Hook? You know, I thought like, oh, you know. <laughs> You know, and so eventually, after half an hour trying to communicate, I just thought, let's find the owner, yeah? But it, it, was, it is just so amazing when this wind is blowing, you must go and stand at that tree, and you realize, like, wow, that tree is so rooted down that no wind can throw it. It's, it's been established. It's been rooted. And um, that's what God wants in our lives. He wants us as Christians not to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, because Paul warns here, and you can see it right through a lot of his writings. He says, be careful for a couple of things. Be careful for empty deceit. Be careful for the tradition of men. Be careful for philosophy. Because there's the basic principles of the the world that comes against the principles of God. And so you must know that not just is there a spiritual war out there, but there's a war for your mind. There's a war for the principles of God in your life. There's a war for you walking in Christ every day. And that's why we need to be rooted in Christ. That's why Paul is fighting. He says, because there's another set of rules that is in the world. And, and when you're a Christian, it, it's different. Because for him, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he says then this beautiful thing. He says, you are complete in him. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are complete in him. Yo, you and I have been made in the image of God, and there's a, there's a constant attack on what you believe about what God says, what you believe about who God is. If you're a first year here coming on this campus, this campus isn't traditional conservative anymore. It's very liberal. The ladies' raises are not allowed to say they're ladies' raises anymore. The men's raises are not allowed to say they're men's raises anymore because, hey, you can choose whatever you want to. So people have just started to float in, float out. There's a, there's a massive agenda being pushed onto just normal human beings. And if you don't know there's a, an agenda, then it's so easy just to conform to the principles of this world. And that's what Paul is fighting for. He says, you need to be rooted in Christ. If there was ever a time as believers, we need to know the Word of God. And so there are five things we're going to look at. What, is, what does this being rooted mean? And there's a lot of beautiful scriptures. But the first one we talk about is to be rooted in your identity. Especially if you're a young person here. All the students and teenagers here, quickly raise your hand. Raise it very, very high, okay? There's a fight for your identity, And you need to know what does Jesus say and who does Jesus say you are. But not just for students, for older people as well. Because he is the father of lies. Why is he called a father? Why is the devil called a father? Because a father gives security, a father gives provision, a father gives a lot of things to you. So in the same way that our Abba Father gives life, there's also a father of lies. And he wants you to believe the fears in your life. He wants you to believe that you're not going to make it. He wants you to be anxious, depressed. If you look at the stats just for young people in South Africa, it is crazy how many people are struggling with sleeplessness, depression, anxiety. Look at Europe. 
So in John 1 verse 12 to 13, it says, but as many as received him, again, that word, you received Christ. Christ came into your life. You were transformed. He says, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, so firstly, you have to realize, yes, I've got natural parents and I've been born into a family. But once I say yes to Jesus, I'm born into God. I'm born into, I've got another identity. I've got another set of ways of thinking. Not just because my spirit has been renewed, but because of what God says. And he says, he's given you the right to be a child of God. Isn't that amazing? He says, I've, I've enabled you. It's not because you perform. It's not because you've earned it. But you have to step up into that position to say, hey, I am a son of God. I am a son of God. And there's a lot of lies that are going to come against you concerning your sonship. And so God says, he's given you the right to become children of God because we believe in his name. Yes, you were born of the flesh, but he says you were born of God. And that means there's, a, there's another way of thinking. There's another way of living. Can somebody say amen? Otherwise, we're going to be here for a very long time. Okay, listen to this. Verse, Romans 8 verse 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cried, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. When I studied, there was a girl from the free states. And um, she would say, I'm an heir of God. You know, and she really thought like, <laughs> she was like a, one heir on the head of God. You know, I said, yeah, lady, your doctrine is a bit skew. It means, you're an heir of Jesus, <laughs> of the Father. She believed it for a long time. And then we just had to like get the doctrine right a little bit, you know. She thought like, how does this work? You know, I'm one heir on the head of God, you know. And obviously his crown is going to come on his head. So I'm, under, I'm covered under his crown. So she developed this this insane doctrine of being the heir of God. And I thought like, okay, okay, now let's get the doctrine right, you know. But, but if I'm an, an heir of God, it means like, there's a testament. There's, God has written his will. And I'm included in that will. And, and now the Holy Spirit has been given so that I can cry out, Abba, Father. There's another spirit, the spirit of bondage again to fear that makes you always come in fear with the old man with a stick up there. He's always like sin conscious. He condemns you all the time. You're never worth it. But there's another spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, where you have this freedom to say, hey, Father, Abba, Father. And this is what Paul is writing against. He says, don't be religious with God. Be real. Be authentic. Learn to live and be open. And that is what true discipleship is about, is saying, hey, I am not perfect, but God is. So we don't, we don't, compromise on the fear of God and the holiness of God. But God's holiness is so attractive. The beauty of His holiness. The beauty of His holiness. The world wants to tell us that it's, God is actually boring. You, you, there's, there's really no mysteries. There's no, but God says there's mysteries. I, I want you to come closer. I want you to, to walk into my beauty. I want to show you my holiness. And last week we said it. The word next to Jesus that we are going to mention the, the most in heaven is the word, wow. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. But won't you just join me for a moment? 
Just say it, but, but say it not from here. Say it from here. Because you're going to need to practice it. Wow. No, no, come on, come on. That was a flow one, okay? That was a flu one, okay? Uh, come on, come on, say it. Wow. No, 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 no. There's some people responding here. There's some people responding here. And there's some people at the back responding there. Just, just say it. Wow. Yo, you're getting it. You're getting it, okay? This block, come on. Wow. It's it just the more you say it, the more it's just nicer, okay? It's, it's, there's this one video. I must get distracted here a bit, okay? This is one video. Ben and I laughed, and Eugene laughed the most about it. But there's this, this lady in Israel, and, um, and she comes, and obviously it's crowded, you know, and, and then she ends up in front of the camera, and, and, and she's shouting for her husband while the guy's actually standing with his camera, and he's talking in front. The interviewer is standing there, and this lady comes in, and she, she shouts, And then she looks and she sees she's right in front of the camera and she looks and she goes on again, yeah? And so, so whenever I feel a bit discouraged, I just look at her calling at Herschel and then I feel better about myself. I think like, you know, but she's got no teeth here. She's big mama. When she calls for her husband, he, I can just see he's like this thin guy running. Okay, okay, you know, <laughs> Herschel, I'm coming, you know? And you see just 10 Herschels responding from all over the place. Just, if you just really look like Herschel, then you'll come and you'll respond, you yeah? know? But we don't, you know, God doesn't say, you are, you know. <laughs> and then we're like, whoo, you know, here we go. Amazing thing is, God, God invites us to this place. And now when you receive him, there's this freedom to walk in his fullness. There's this freedom. And, but, but the devil lies to us. And I love, I'm going to say it again, what Reinhard Bunker said, you know. He said, um, I'm not here to decorate your prison. God has given me a message to set the captives free. And we saw in the past two weeks how, how the Jews were, were, they were captive in Isaiah 40 to Isaiah 55. And then God comes to call them out and say, come, come out. Come and buy with money you don't have. Come and drink from the living waters. What an invitation. And yet they were very comfortable. They were prospering. And God says, don't you know that you're actually still captive? If you don't know that you are captive in this world, we need to walk into God's freedom every day. It's for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. Don't let the father of lies lie to you about who God is, what he says. Listen to this in 1 John 3 verse 1 to 3. Behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. <laughs> There's an exclamation. I'm going to read it again. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That's how you should read the scripture, okay? Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The response to God's love is holiness. The response to God's love is a greater desire for purity. Because God is pure in essence, is holy in essence. God doesn't do holy acts. He is holy. He is perfect. 
And when a fallen world is attracted to perfection, you realize how beautiful he is, how amazing he is. The second thing is we need to be rooted in his word. Are you still with me this morning? We're going to pick up some speed now. Okay. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 to 2. It says, and there brethren, and this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, could not, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And yet now you are still not able. He's writing to a charismatic church. And he says, there's so much more in the word of God. You need to be rooted in the word of God, not rooted into the next YouTube sermon. Not rooted into the American gospel. I said it last week and, you know, it was just so amazing. We were at this big conference. And I can't remember if it was the morning or the evening service. But there was this Indonesian pastor just coming up, having this brown suit with this ugly tie. He looked like he came out of the 60s, 1960s, and he got frozen and then got unfrozen again in 2015, you know. So this old woman stands there and they introduce him at the conference. He's got something like 400,000 people in his church. Never heard of him before. And then he begins to preach. Very simple, very boring, the word of God. And three or four sentences into the preaching, the Holy Spirit comes. And people begin to weep. People begin to cry out to God. Because they've not come for entertainment. And I thought like, wow, we've never heard of this guy. And yet every day, there are so many preachers promoting themselves. You see them on every magazine cover, every next new thing. I think there's a lot of preachers that are going to stand right at the back. Because they took too much of God's glory in front. So we must go and learn from the church in Brazil. They had a march of three million people the other day. We must go and learn from the church in Iran, the fastest growing church in the world. Appearing of Jesus, masses of people getting baptized. The church in China, God is moving. So don't just be satisfied with what the church in the West gives us. And that's why Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to rightly divide the word of truth. I want you to learn to use your sword. You need to be rooted in the word, and that means get into Scripture, learn Scripture. We've become so lazy. But God's invitation is like, hey, read that Scripture. Read it over. How many of you have sometimes you've read that Scripture, and it's like, wow, I've read this 30 times, and now suddenly it just becomes alive, you know? The word of God. Love the Word of God. Be rooted in the Word of God. So that when the winds of doctrine come, you just say, no, uh-uh, no, no, reject, no, 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 there you go, uh-uh, no, no, restart, no, no, go, no, no. Because you know you've been practicing your sword. But let's be honest, we've become lazy sometimes. We are on the farm. I grew up on a farm. And I hope there's not anybody that's going to be offended, but... We had these black wattle trees, you know, and the black wattle uh, throws off a lot of seed, and there's a lot of type of trees. It's Australian, okay, but it's not a local tree. And these things spring up like six months 
There's another type of bush. They call it hakia. You know? And we used to be at at end cutting off these trees. Because, you know, they would never survive a big trout or a big thing because the roots were not deep enough. But they grew so quickly. Just like onkreit. You know? What is onkreit? Weeds, you know? Uncrides, you know? When the uncrides grow up, it's like quickly. And God says, hey, those things are going to grow with the wheat. But sometimes they look exactly the same. The only difference between weeds and the real wheat is the weed parasites from the real stuff because it has no root. It grows quickly, but there's no root. So make sure you're rooted in his word. We are rooted in the identity of Christ. And then the last one for this morning, we're talking about five. We're going to talk about rooted in love, rooted in eternity, and rooted and planted in God's house. The last one, just for this morning, turn to your neighbor and say, why have you, smi- why have you got such a smile on your face? I was, I was amazed the other day when I thought about God loving us unconditionally. Every person that has loved you and me before, there was always some conditions attached. If you do this, then I'm going to do that. That's how the world works. Would you agree? <laughs> there's, there's never a, something like a free meal. <laughs> There's, there's always something like, hey, but isn't it amazing that when God is perfect and he invites us to his perfection, that nothing you and I do can add to God. And that's why you can trust God and that's why you can build your life on God and you can, why? Because he's going to be stable. He's not going to blow around when the wind comes. He's, he's the rock of ages. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so don't, you know, if you want to put your anchor on something, put it on something that is going to be stable. You know, my grandmother was in the, um, she was in, living in Tolbach when the big earthquake was in, I think, 1969, 1970. I can't remember. Kumi, when was the Tolbach? Can you remember? 69. Hi. Yeah, 69. Were you there, Estelle? Sure. But, but, um, so, so what they did, they, they had seven, six kids, and, um, and so the, the first little tremor started, and then she decided, okay, where are we going to go? Where's the safe space? So she ran into the kitchen, got all the kids. She just grabbed all the kids, and imagine six kids. You have to run all over the house, and some are probably on the roof getting all of them. And so she got under the, the big, solid table, you know, the kitchen table. So here they're huddling together under the table. They're just, oh, okay, yeah, we're protected here. And so then this big earthquake came and, and she was just, close your eyes and she threw the stuff and she thought, like, if the roof collapses, at least it's going to be falling on the table. And um, so after the big quake, when she opened up her eyes, she realized the table has moved to the other side of the room. <laughs> and they were all sitting here. <laughs> and she realized, like, okay, <laughs> When stuff stuff shakes, you know, make sure you uh, rather run outside, okay? But some people lose their head when there's like an earthquake. And lots of people actually got like not lucky up up here. Um, The point I'm trying to make is, is what do you attach your life onto? Is it like your security? Is Is it what people say about you? But in Ephesians... Listen to this prayer that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, his perfection. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That you'll be strengthened in you. 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in his love, may be able to wow with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. But a lot of Christians just have a carnal existence with God. No, I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. And this is what Paul is praying. He says, I I want you to be rooted in his love, to, to comprehend, to be able to know, to surrender to that place. And it's difficult because we don't know how to do that. And that's why the Holy Spirit has come. Because you can only be stable in his love, in what he says. Not in what people say, not in what, you know. And uh, sometimes what we do is we say, Hey, you're such a great guy. Max, you're so, such a funny guy. Your jokes is the most amazing. You're such a great, you know, and then we, then we flatter people a little bit, you know. But we're actually all wretched. We're all miserable beings. If we really look deep in our hearts, we realize like, Sure. In essence, I'm actually not good. But once I've surrendered to Christ and to his love, he gives me the capacity to love. I can't love out of myself. I can't love in the way that God loves. And yet many of the charismatic church today is just a self-help scheme to become a better person. And don't shout at your neighbor. Don't Don't do that, you know. Just like, Herschel, Herschel, just be nice to other people. So we try to train people in being nicer or better people. And God says it's impossible if you have not surrendered to his love. And then once you attach yourself, you root yourself into what he says about you. There's such a boldness. And you know, most Christians, they can't even speak about God in the public anymore because they're very insecure. Yeah, at the back of your mind, you still believe like, hey, God doesn't actually love me. Maybe, maybe, you know, that guy, you know, he's got a mustache. So God just blesses people that has nice mustaches, you know. But I'm like ugly. Lots of people believe they're ugly. Lots of people believe stuff because we've been indoctrinated by the lies of the father of lies. And the only problem is we start to find our comfort in those lies. We actually start to live like that. Now, I have a mother-in-law that is crazy in love with God. She believes that especially what you say is so important. If you say something that is like negative, she just says, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Yeah? And so she went to the doctor, I think 10 years ago, and the doctor said, lady, half of your, half of your lungs is collapsed. You're going to die soon, and here's a bunch, bunch of pills and all of that stuff. And she looked at him and says, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. You know? She says, tell me what you think is wrong with me. And then he told her what is wrong with, what he thought is wrong with her. And she took the pills and there was like a toilet next to the room. And she just walked up, she opened the door and she says, thank you. Now I can pray more effectively. And she threw the pills into the toilet and she flushed all the pills down. 
Ten years later, living on one lung, she says she breathes through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think she's crazy, but I love every part of it. Huh? The worst part is when you go shopping with her. It's never about what you're going to buy at the shopping mall. It's about who we're going to pray for. And she goes with that trolley. She goes soul shopping, she says. Yeah. <laughs> Three hours later, we still haven't bought what we were going for. You know? It's always an adventure. She goes, oh, I've got a pain here, and it's not my pain. I must go and pray for somebody that has this pain. And then she walks down the aisles. She says, that guy there, it's his pain. And then she goes, and she goes up. Sorry, have you got a pain right here? She says, oh, how do you know? The Holy Spirit told me. Can I pray for you? Oh, the worst embarrassing is at the, I hope I can tell the story. Okay, just between the two of us. Shh, don't tell anybody else. Okay, I'm going to finish with the story. So at the children with all the parents evening in front of the school, all of them. Now just imagine you're one of the three kids of that school. So the, the principal is talking in front and she gets this thought that there's somebody with back problems here in this audience whole hall sitting full of parents and children. And then she decides, okay, now is the time to pray. So she stands up. Now, just imagine the embarrassment of the three daughters, okay? I, just, I can just imagine. Oh, Lord, let the rapture happen right now. Now, Lord. So she walks up to the principal. Why is he standing on the platform? She goes to stand next to him. She says, I need to pray for somebody right now. So he gives her the Okay? She says, there's a man here that has got back problems, and you need to go for operation tomorrow, so will you please come to the front? And it's just everybody's just quiet. Yeah? Just like, <laughs> drop something, and it feels like the world is falling apart. Yeah? And it's just silence. She says, there's a man here. We're waiting for you. <laughs> Eventually, a guy stands up right at the back, halfway through, walking down the aisle. He gets healed instantly. Nobody prayed for him, all that stuff. And then you can just imagine what happened after that. No, no, but, 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 but you know, that is not dignified and respectful. And yet when you read Scripture, there is such a boldness for people to say who God is. Not to be superficial or weird, because there are a lot of people that are like really extreme. They try to be weird for the sake of being weird. But if you're bold, if you're grounded in God's love, if you have the solution for AIDS or for a big disease, you want to tell the whole world. You want to say to them, there's freedom. Because I'm secure in who I am. I'm secure in God's love. That doesn't mean like take the Bible and bash everyone with the Bible. But there's a boldness when you come to God. Will you stand with me? This Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.